Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Ali Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Woohoo! I'm trying out different ways of saying that so I can be fancy, like the ladies' Welcome room. Welcome to the ladies' room. I think we Welcome should just to flush the, the toilet room. and have that be the start of every. I instead no. of welcome back. No, no, okay, no, no. <laughs> no. But Lynn did say she was going to teach me about timing earlier, so I'm pretty excited that that might happen one day. I've been Maybe. asking her to teach me how to tell stories for like 15 years. No, for for at least the last few years. Yes. Well, She's I like, did. It's kind I did of manage- a lost cause. I did manage to teach you how to flirt enough to get a husband. Like, I don't, I don't know that you ever really got there, but um, it's like that. Scene, no, now that I have him, I don't flirt with him. Right. No. And I like, you got enough flirting. It's like, you've seen the new Jumanji, right? The one with, um, with Jack Black and the rock and all the people. Yeah. Have you seen it? Okay. Yeah. Where, where the, the hot girl tries to teach the nerd girl how to flirt. And like, she walks all weird. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. <laughs> and she's like, work it girl, work it girl. But it's Jack Black, right? Teaching her how to flirt. Like, look your lips. Oh, you're so funny. Oh my God. You're so funny. And when it comes time to actually implement it, she's terrible, but it's good enough to distract the bad guys so they can steal the helicopter. That's kind of where we got you. It was good enough to get. So a basically someday I might not ruin the joke by getting the timing wrong maybe let's hope <laughs> like once or two like if I set it up with you really well maybe maybe it's like it's like shocking you to not make background noise like stop telling the punchline first but it's okay am I making background noise right now no 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 but you you said on a previous podcast that we had to set you up with a shot collar so you couldn't make so you wouldn't it's make true. just noise. zap me like stop that right because when I text you people can hear that too like you're making noise but you've been so <laughs> good you've been so good Okay, so this is kind of a continuation of the angry feminists with penis candles conversation. Because but it won't we, be as ranty. Yeah, it was a little ranty, but it was all right. It actually ended up yeah. being not as ranty as it seemed when we were ranting. Maybe, whatever. But mostly we have to continue this because we have to tell a story. Yes, because we didn't tell the story. So we're going to start out with the story and we're going to talk a little bit more about this topic that we started on. Um, so I have to say also for everyone's as part of just setting this up, you have talked to me about this for at least this topic that we're going to talk about for at least two years. And I've always been like, I don't know, like maybe, but today you generated it in a new way where I was like, I got it. Perfect. I totally understand. So now I'm really excited that we're going to talk about that too. Yes. Yeah. Because the one phrase that sums it up and don't tell the phrase you just Whoa. sit in your little timing box and I will say the phrase at the right moment. <clears throat> Penis candles. No, just Penis kidding. Candles. I have Fever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell, I'm going to set up the story and then it's going to launch us into the topic. This is the story you wanted to tell on the last, on the last one, the Penis Candles podcast. We're going to tell it now. So you're in Salt Lake with your daughter in the hospital. We've talked about that a little bit. And so a, a little while back, you had a time, oh my gosh, there's a workman in my yard. This was on the last podcast too. Someone was dropping <laughs> their pants and he is dropping his pants to pee in my courtyard. <laughs> Dude, what the hell? You should take a picture and text it to him. I stepped away from the window so I didn't have to see him do it, but I want to go out there and yell at him and go like, don't pee in my yard. <laughs> Let's Lord. not interrupt the podcast for that. Just enjoy it. Okay. A little so, extra water in, free, in Tucson. It's free. I, I will be glad when all this work on the house is done. Okay. <laughs> you know what? And that's kind of in this podcast too, because who's going to clean that up? Nobody. Well, does it have to be clean? No, not really. Cause it's outside, okay. but still it's, it's not, it's like right in this pretty little courtyard where I have like a fountain and an agave plant and everything. Also a woman would never do that. Right. And you know what? You can knock on my door. I'll let you use the toilet like a human. Pee outside. Way more work. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wait, we were trying to be funny and now I'm ranty again, but I think that deserves a little bit of a rant. (laughs) I think it's really funny. (laughs) You know, when we were having our house built, not this house, but the one we owned in Maryland, um, 
sometimes this was before it was finished, thankfully. Um, one time the construction, like the foreman guy found some poop on the basement stairs outside. Like what the heck? How do you know it was human? Well, I mean, for the reasons that you would. <laughs> okay, let's not go into that. Okay, we're Back done. Back to my funny story. All right, you're going to make funny, funny story. Okay, so I'm not going to start the podcast over. Everyone gets to just enjoy how filthy and disgusting men are. Um, <laughs> they are gross. So, all right, so you had a little tiny window where you were going to drive from Salt Lake City to Montana just for basically like a day and a half. And a half to see some yep. family that was in town, get a little bit of a breather um, for what you're doing, kind of prepare for the next phase. So you were driving home and you were what, about halfway there? No, I was probably, I mean, I was in traffic forever. So I was just like an hour and a half outside the city. Okay. All right. So you were just getting on the road to go to Salt Lake city and you texted me and you said, you have three guesses to guess what John just asked me. <laughs> And how many guesses did it take me? It only took you one. And I was very impressed with you because that's all I said. I didn't say one single other thing. Nope. That was all you said. And I guessed it correctly. And what was the answer? What did he ask you? He said, what should I feed Josie for dinner? (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I love my husband so much. And it was endearing and not only irritating, but I was like, I'm in the hospital sitting with Peggy trying to sort out how I can get home for one day and how her boyfriend can come out and be here and like there is and give her a shower and like everything that I needed to do. So and I can leave at five o'clock to drive home. And, and I'm he's like, what should miles, I feed Josie for dinner? I'm 500 miles from the refrigerator that you're standing in front of. <laughs> <laughs> so great. And he was like, well, I didn't want to give her, you know, I didn't have enough steak for dinner and I didn't know she was going to be here for like, he didn't know, but I was still like, I don't care. I actually was like, you should have answered him food. And I said, I did actually answer cat food. Like what the heck? I don't care. Feed her whatever you want, whatever she'll eat. She eats everything. Like it's not like she's a picky eater. Like this kid literally loves every food that she's ever seen and will eat anything. Right. And so I was like, like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's not like you're, you're the old woman who lived in a shoe, like that. There's not food. There's tons of food. It's not like, right. You have I am only- an Italian grandma in my heart when it comes to food <laughs> and you could live in my basement pantry for several months. I'm sure. So right. it couldn't have been that hard. Like stick your hand out and grab something and feed it to her. Right. Ta-da. Grab two, two loaves of bread and the peanut butter and your job is done. Um, <laughs> right. Because it's not like there was pre-portioned food or everything was planned for a dinner party. Is it okay to feed this? Because sometimes Eric will ask me, is it okay to eat this? Because early in our marriage, right. we had to have, we had to lay down some rules because we were getting um, like Chinese takeout and stuff. And he was using what he called roommate rules, which if it sits in the fridge for more than a day, <laughs> it's fair game. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Me no, and my general self. mine unless I release it to you yes, with a note. Exactly. You need verbal permission and possibly a signed contract before you're allowed to eat my leftovers. Like you would <laughs> eat my leftovers. And I go, where, what, where's my general self? Oh, I ate it. It was in there for more than a day. Roommate rules. I'm like, no, mm-mm. like, do you have sex with roommates? Cause you have sex with this one and that's about to stop. stop eating my Chinese no Um, there's nothing worse than like just saving something in the fridge and then you go well there's lots of things worse but I mean you just hate that when you're like well I was gonna eat that you ate it exactly but this has nothing to do with that I haven't been home for a week and a half like at, at this point at least like I have no idea what's in my house we have company from Chile I hope they ate everything there was to eat right like I mean and then my husband's like, what do I feed Josie? And then I teased him about it that night. Like, babe, do you know how ridiculous that is? Like, that's the funniest thing that's happened in forever. Because we he laughed was like, about it for like a half Oh, we an laughed hour. about it for a really long time. Yeah. But he didn't understand. Like, he was like, well, this is why I asked you. Like, he just Well, no, because he said, I realized I should have called and I should have asked more specific questions. <laughs> Got that. I should have given you background info. I should, this was like, 
this shouldn't have even been a text. And then he's like, it should have been a phone call. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I should have made this more work for you. I realized the, the problem that I did was I made it only a small amount of work for you. And I should have made it a, a medium <laughs> amount of work for you. That I would have been communicated the right thing. better. It's yeah. so funny because he has literally worked tirelessly uh, doing, I mean, he's the best. Lynn says that he tends me and he does like, he's the best at tending and caring for me of any man I've ever known, even my dad, which is impressive, but he just tends me so well. And then that still came, I was like, ever loving hell. Like, I don't care. I don't give her the filet mignon, give her ramen noodles. Like, I don't care. But yeah, hand her a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter. But we were talking about that. That really is about it's, it's part of why it's funny is it's a funny in a little bit of a painful way because it's so recognizable. Like we're laughing. I mean, I guessed on the first try, I didn't even need to. It wasn't even hard. He totally asked you what there what's for dinner. Um, and it's kind of a running joke and what it really is, is joking about, which is not really something to joke about. Although sometimes you laugh, so you don't cry, um, is the invisible work of women, the un, the unseen labor of women, the, the kinds of labor. And you know what, maybe men have some too. I don't know. I only know about mine, but there's this, all this unseen labor and you and I, like you said, you and I have been talking about this for a couple of years, the invisible work of women. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then today, and usually the conversation is like, that's the unseen work of women. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, I feel seen in my work. I feel acknowledged in my relationship. Like, but like I said, today you really created it well. And I was like, oh, hell yes. That's a total thing. Right. So So present it like a diamond. I'm going to present it now is the perfect time. So if you were taking a timing lesson, this now is the time to say the thing I'm about to say. So I was (laughs) thinking about this podcast and and then the phrase popped in my head. I'm like, I know exactly how to tie this in a bow, which is the phrase said a little bit exasperated which is just tell me what to do and I'll do it, <laughs> which is totally what the unseen work of women is by, about or one kind by a man. It's all, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a woman say that. No, me. no, no, no. So this, and it's always said when the woman finally gets, not always, we're going to just talk like it's the fifties and everything is black and white, but, um, where a woman is, is kind of frustrated by, and it's usually a wife and often a mother frustrated by the, uh, this unseen labor, like so much stuff that you keep track of in your head and you kind of let the guy have it a little bit. And he responds back all affronted, like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. (laughs) It's like, right. Yeah. That's the point is that figuring out what there is to do. And like one of the best stories in our marriage of this kind of unseen labor is, um, when Eric was getting Riley dressed, and she was, I don't know, three or four. And when he used to dress her, I used to sometimes want to put a sign on her that said, daddy, dress me today. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> she went out of the house. Like <laughs> I made her this really cute dress one time. <laughs> it's it had, even better than I drilled up. I'm letting my kid dress herself. No, daddy did that. Daddy dressed her. Like I made her this really cute dress once out of this monkey fabric. It had all these monkeys on it. And I found this like little polka dots. It was green and brown. It was so adorable. And he sent me a picture of her and he's like, I put her monkey dress on. I'm like, that's on backwards. Um, but okay. So did I lose you? You have gone mm-hmm. quiet. Okay. There you are. All right. Sorry. I was doing a little sound check and there you were. Okay. Anyway. So he put her dress no, on. No, good. Cause I was talking about how funny it is to wear a monkey costume backwards and how I would really like to do that. Yeah. None of that came through, but okay. So that was my little story It's anyway. So he was getting her dressed and he came out one time, he had been getting her dress and he was really frustrated. And he says, you know, there's all these clothes in the drawer that don't fit her. Wait, hold on. I'm still, I'm still amused about putting it on backwards. Like, well, the zipper's in the back. It doesn't matter oh. if the tail's in the front. Like, how do you put a monkey costume on backwards? No, it wasn't a monkey costume. It was a dress with monkeys on it. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a monkey costume. And I was like, your husband's a very smart man. How does this happen? Oh, no, it was All a dress right. with monkeys on it. It was this really I liked it better when I thought it was a monkey no. costume. You know, and okay, let's squirrel for a second. Costume sewing is where I really first started getting into the sewing. Because when I was a little kid, my mom made all of our Halloween costumes. And then so she sweet. started... Yes. Right. And I had so many great ones. There was one my parents collaborated on where I was, um, Charlotte from Charlotte's web. 
And my dad made these chicken wire legs. My mom covered them with fabric and then sewed them on the side of this jumpsuit thing that she made. Oh, so I, I hope you have a picture of that that you can put on the podcast. Notes. I might. I, I'm not going to get it in the show notes, but I might be able to find it. Somewhere. <laughs> um, then put it on Instagram. But when my sister started having her kids, my mom made their costumes too. And then my mom died when they were really little. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And um, the first year I made them three good witches, little fairies. They were all kind of the same, but in different colors, red, um, blue, and green with little stars. And I made them little hats and I even made them um, trick or treat bags out of the same fabric. And I wrote on them with fabric paint, like eye of newt and tongue of toad and stuff like that (laughs) so um and then the next year I let I don't understand why you didn't like cereal box crafts really I mean because cereal box crafts are pointless I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but a little so anyway and then the following year I let them each pick and that was a huge mistake um because two of them picked really difficult costumes and that was the year I met Eric And so I said, he said, come over. He wanted me to hang out at his house on Sunday, whatever. I said, well, I'm going to bring my sewing machine and I'm, cause I'm sewing these. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's so adorable. That's so cute. And he was all taken away. I said, yeah, you, you don't, you, you haven't seen how much swearing is involved in this. So just hold your cuteness a second because they were really hard. Um, But anyway, so he was getting her dressed and he came out and he complained. He's like so much of her clothes don't fit her. So, well, the way I find out something doesn't fit her is I try it on her and it doesn't fit her. And then I put it in the, in the box of things that don't fit her anymore. So if you're getting her dressed and something doesn't fit her, put it in the freaking box of the stuff that doesn't fit her anymore. Like, what am I supposed to do? Go and comb through her closet every couple of weeks at that age, they grow like, like every day. Yeah. Like they can literally grow out of clothes overnight. Like when she was a tiny baby, um, she was a little bit preemie and she grew so fast when she was really s- small that she would sometimes grow over her pajama, grow out of her pajamas in the night. Like they fit her when I put her to bed and in the morning they were too small. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to, and he was annoyed, right? Like, how dare there be like, dude. And I Why read, aren't you um, managing this? <laughs> I read um, a really great blog post. I think it was on scary mommy where the woman was talking about the default parent. And she said that every family has a default parent and spoiler alert, it's usually the one with the uterus um, and that the kids and she said, and if you don't know, you're not it, right? If you don't know, if you don't know if you're the default parent, you're not. And <laughs> she, she talked very specifically about that job. She says, getting outgrown clothes, parentheses, a bullshit job that only the default parent even knows exists. I'm like, damn straight. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's just, and so we were talking about, there is a ton of this labor and it's mostly mental labor and that's why it's invisible, right? This isn't about doing the right. Talk about taking over going to the dentist. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, he's such a good example. He's kind of done that. It's like 75% done. (laughs) I know, but I mean, it's been like a year and a half in the making, but talk about at the beginning, like, well, yeah, just how it's not just like, I mean, really you tell, if you're the, not the default parent, you tell, if you're the default parent, you tell the other person, you know, I need you to take over taking the kid to the dentist. And they're right. like, great. When's the appointment? And you're like, right. no, Where's her dentist need to understand again? all the things. Right. Where, yeah. Where we are in um, the cycle, what they need, all of it. Right. It's a lot yeah. to carry in your head. Yeah. There was another mom who was talking about this and she said, um, I asked my husband to take our son, daughter, I can't remember to soccer practice. And the only part of the job he took over. And some of this falls on us too, right? Because we don't always hand everything over all the management of it. And part of it is because that's really exhausting. Um, yes. And he heard it like transport the child to soccer practice. And so they get to soccer practice. They don't have the kids pants. They don't have the cleats. It was snack day. He didn't have the snack and he calls her and he's like, well, where's, where's her uniform. And she's like, you're in charge of soccer tonight. You you know, all the things. And so, um, yeah, this is starting to get ranty again. So where's the uniform? Where's the snacks? Yeah. Like you're in charge. You're there. You're the one in front of the refrigerator. Give her something. Um, so, okay. A little funny story about this, just how little, (laughs) how small people can recognize this. So Riley was, I don't think she was even two. I, I think she was littler than two or maybe just barely two. And she had all her toys and bags and everything. And so she was playing 
and she picks up a bag and she hangs it on her neck. And then she hangs like another one over her arm. And then she picks up everything that she can hold. And then she grabs a baby and she turns to me and says, look, I'm a mommy. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. And yep. it's like, yeah, that that's just, it's not just from picking up the baby. You've got to pick right. up it's all, not the just other grass. all the now other you're ready. Right. And so that invisible work of women, which is really incredibly taxing, um, is kind of the keeping track, the keeping track of everything, knowing that soccer practice means the cleats and which day is snack day. I mean, when Riley was in kindergarten, we had to bring, there was some kind of snack calendar. And I guarantee you, Eric didn't even know the snack calendar existed. Like I had to keep track of when it was and also figure out like if snack day was Monday, um, if my, if my snack day was Monday, I had to take a lot of steps to make sure that that snack got to school because I, that meant I had to remember it on Sunday night rather than I'm in the rhythm of school. and like, okay, yeah. Right. You know, notes everywhere. Um, but just all that unseen, like managing of life. And I think about holidays, like if there were no women, there would be, the only holiday would be Super Bowl Sunday um, <laughs> and it would just be That's a bowl really of chips funny. and some beer. And maybe I think with John, also my birthday would be a holiday. Maybe his, like he, he would make an effort to make those. So I have, um, I want to say that like, I'm all, I'm really aware, like John, uh, like he's the step parent, right? Like he didn't even come along in the beginning and take any of this stuff on. Right. Like true, he fair. came along middle and he does, he really does a phenomenal job. Like I never feel like, um, you know, I mean, I feel like he's just the co-parent, right? Like, I mean, some parents don't step parent that way, but he, I mean, he has all the same responsibility. Like he adopted the kids the same day I did, but, um, and I don't have anything like that in my space, but I'm curious. We talked on another podcast about diffuse versus focused awareness. And I, part of like, I have two thoughts, right? Like I agree. This is unseen work because right now, there's so much I would like to hand off and I can't because right. the training to hand it off. Yes. I don't have the energy to do that. So I just have to keep doing it in the middle of the crisis um, or find another woman to do it. You know, sometimes that works, but right. um, if I had trained John before, he would do a lot of these things like, okay, I know how to do that, but you know, I'm, but I'm, and I'm like, so I'm thinking, I don't, sorry, now I'm getting unprocessed. I'm thinking about how I really don't want anybody else to manage that because I kind of like orchestrating all the show personally, not that every woman does, but like, I mean, I love to be in my kitchen and I love to, you know, which I mean, I like to do dishes. Not everybody likes to do that. So I'm, and so I'm aware of that piece of it. Like I kind of want to hand over some of it, but not all of it. And is that a thing? Right. And then I'm also thinking about the idea of diffuse awareness because I I think I simply see whether training or genetics, you know, or whatever it is, like I simply see things that, that most people, that, that most men I've interacted with don't hold in their space. So I have another story that I think kind of gets at another piece of this that you're, that you're talking about because there's, so there is, and it's not only about domestic things, right? Nobody's, it's not only about domestic, it's keeping track of all the things And there is an expectation that anything that has to do with just making life work. I mean, we talked about this on the optimize podcast, right? This all works. If you have a woman making your life work falls (laughs) on the woman and the story, it's so great because I was thinking of this story before you talked about John coming in and co-parenting, there still is an assumption. So when I got married to Eric, I got put in charge. There was no conversation. It just happened. I got put in charge of gifts for his, the nieces and nephews on his side of the family. <laughs> and yep, I know I've taken over John's parents for his presents right. for his mom stuff. And like, right. You know. and, and I don't object to that, but I'm like, we never even talked about this and it's just <laughs> on me. Um, right. And like, I don't, he has one niece that, that he had nephews before I met him. And then there was a niece that was born since we were married. Um, I bet you a million dollars. He doesn't even know that niece's birthday. Um, I hope she never listens <laughs> no. to the podcast. Uncle Eric loves to. you so much, honey. But, um, <laughs> but I have always been <laughs> the one who gets the gifts. And we have a funny story that has become, you know, how when you're married for a really long time, um, 
you start to have things that are just like part of the culture of your marriage, like little inside jokes and stuff like that. This has become one because there was one Christmas when, and this was back before Amazon. And so um, buying gifts for his family, because they lived in New York and we lived in Maryland. It was like a lot. Right. And and again, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not complaining about having do it, having to do it. But what's funny is that it became my job and we never talked about it. We never talked about, Hey, do you want to do it? Just like, Oh, there's a woman now she's going to do this. And <laughs> everyone, is, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the Christmas lists come to me and everything. Also, like I took over a lot of that stuff because God forbid that it didn't get done. Right. Like if blamed. John forgot mother's day, I would, I would look bad in my own eyes, even if yeah. I didn't have anything right. Like, even though it wasn't my job, like I would have de- definitely felt an impact that he wouldn't have felt. Right. So this one Christmas I went out and I did all the shopping and I had wrapped all the gifts. And this was when we still exchanged with the adults. We don't do that anymore. But so there was a lot of gifts, a giant box of gifts. So I had made a list, got something for everybody, wrapped it all up, packed it in the box. And I was upstairs in our, this bonus room we had where I had all the wrapping paper and I was closing up the box and I had like a UPS sticker and he came upstairs and I said, can you put your sister's address on this sticker and stick it on the box? And so he writes the address and he sticks it on the box and without a trace of irony says, whew, that's done. And I looked at him <laughs> with, with laser murder shooting out of my eye. Right. And then he looked and froze and realized what he had said. <laughs> and then we both right. laughed our asses off. Um, And now that's become like any time in our marriage, if you do something that's like so super minimal, it's almost obligatory to say, phew, that's done (laughs) because it was so (laughs) ridiculous. And in his remembering of that story, he's even like, and all I did was pack the box. I'm like, no, stop (laughs) putting more. You did nothing. You, you labeled the box and I didn't know his sister's address. Like I really needed him to do that part. It was really early in our marriage. We might not have even been married at that point. We might've been just about to get married. Um, And yeah, then, and that's part of the invisible labor. Like, and again, it's not that I mind doing it, but there's just an assumption that now that there's a wife and it might've even still been a fiance at that point, she's just going to do it. Like Chris, I don't have to think about Chris. And I think probably prior, he probably just gave his sister money. That's what my dad does for gifts in my family. He's like, right. There was some other way of managing it that wouldn't have been acceptable. Yeah. He just, I know it's my credit card. (laughs) And whether or not it's labor we want, there's not a lot of payoff for labor in general when it's not seen, mm-hmm. you know, like John talks. So I, I feel like really awkward even saying it this way, but like, I, like, I love, like, I'm a good homemaker. I don't want to be a stay at home anything, but I like to tend to my home. Like I have, yeah, I like the routine of it, especially when I'm home for long stretches. Like I don't want to have to clean the house, but I just kind of like to like, I remember my grandma would get up in the morning and she called it futzing. And like, it's one of my things in my morning routine that I try to build in time to futz because I like to just tend the the home. And John marvels at how I do it. And my mom says I'm a good homemaker, which I think is super fifties and funny, but um, it's not that stuff that is seen no. and acknowledged. Right. No, and that's that- what I always kind of thought you were getting at. It's the stuff that gets carried that nobody even knows the weight of carrying it, except maybe other, maybe other women, because no, other women, a woman sure. could step into that space very easily. Like we were talking about how you need your girlfriends and your family in a crisis differently than you need, you know, your husband in a crisis or your right. Parent, well, you know. we actually had, and it, it, that's why it's the invisible labor of women because doing the dishes might be unappreciated or appreciated, but it's visible. Everyone sees you do it. They might take it for granted, but everyone sees you do it but keeping track of when the kids need to go to the dentist and whose job is it to bring snack. And especially when there's kids, there's some right. even without kids, but once kids come on board and like, there's so much that you can, yeah. yeah. And, and whose birthday is about to come up and do we have a birthday card and did we send a wedding gift and did we send a shower gift and did we write the thank you notes and all those expectations of, and some of it is about behaving. Some of it is about managing, and some of it is about behaving. Like you said, if John didn't, if John's mom got forgotten on mother's day, that's on you socially. And, I mean, she and never would have said that, but just even inside myself, right? Like, and I right. love John's mom. Like she's such a gift to me, but it still wouldn't have had the same weight. He would have been like, Oh crap. And then, 
you know, figured something out at the last second, but right, the love and care, there's you know, no penalty. wouldn't have gotten translated. There's no penalty. Yeah. Right. There's no, everyone's just like, and some of it too is not fair to men because it's a place where we really infantilize them. Um, but there's no expectation. There's an expectation that they're bad at it and we're good at it. All this invisible stuff. I don't know. Like um, I never thought that way about my sons. Like I, if my son skips mother's day, I'm as infuriated as I am. If my daughter skips mother's day, but they're children. I mean, there's a place where like an adult gets off the hook more. An adult man yeah. gets off the hook more than an adult woman. Like, oh gosh. And that, also I like presents. So I'm going to hold them to a very high standard with that. Right. Right. But like that goober forgot again. Oh, look at how badly he wrapped the gift. Cork, cork, cork. Um, or like the, so Eric put Riley's little dress on backwards, which was humorous, but um, there's a really <laughs> funny thing that, that goes around on Facebook of um, a dad that <laughs> this one's actually hilarious. He sent his baby daughter. She was little, like probably not even walking six to nine months old. And he sent her to <laughs> picturing the picture in my head he sent her to daycare in her overalls and nothing else no top (laughs) and it was like low down overalls so here's this little baby oh my gosh it's so great bib overalls (laughs) and no shirt isn't that an outfit yeah yeah and there's a whole text conversation back and forth between them she's like did you send olivia to daycare like, how did you dress Olivia to daycare? He's like, that, that thing that with the buttons and the straps. And he's like, she's like, <laughs> that needs a shirt. It's <laughs> not but, an outfit by itself. Oh my gosh. And the pictures are so funny because here's the baby and she's all pretty and cute and, and not dressed. Um, oh. And I've heard stories too of like a preschool teacher told me, um, there was a little girl and she was kind of sad and like, what's wrong? And she burst into tears. Daddy sent me to school in my pajamas. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, by accident, great. by accident, right. but we're laughing about it. But if a mom did either of those things, there's no, I don't know how we would even react. I don't think a mom would. <laughs> no, it just wouldn't really be it probably wouldn't be a thing unless the mom didn't happen to be the default parent, then I think it could totally happen. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. So, but if that were true, the story I don't think, you were telling me, I don't oh, think we would laugh about it. I don't think we would laugh about it the same way we do. No, it wouldn't be. Oh, for sure. I think that's a, I think that's a good point. We'd be all judgy. Um, tell the story since we said this isn't all about home and I don't know if it ties in, but tell the story you're telling about the lunchroom when you're earlier in your career. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. So I was working on a project and this, I didn't even tell you when I told you the story, this project was super intense. This was the kind of project where um, we were actually, it was a com. We were working for a com, And so we were racing a deadline. Like we, we were either going to be first to market or out of business. Um, so the schedule was really, really intense to the point where people would say things like, oh, I'm just so tired. I'm only going to work an eight hour day on Sunday. That's all I can manage. <laughs> and, and then you would work 10. Right. And it was just like, people talk about 80 hour work weeks. And for the most part, they're not real, but these were real 80, 90 hours. And so we were eating most of our meals. Um, in fact, there's a second invisible work that I didn't even tell you about. Um, I'll tell that one first. So we were eating most of our meals. Like we never left the building. And, um, I noticed everybody was eating out of the vending machines which isn't great, right? Like, no, but your health is going to be impacted at some point. It's going to cost the team, not for their meals, but for their snacks, they were just eating candy and chips and stuff. And, um, there was this great produce market. I didn't live very far from work, thankfully, but there was this great like produce market right on my way to work. And so I started buying every morning I'd stop and buy like 25 bucks worth of fruit. And I turned in my, I expensed my receipts and I just put fruit in our little kitchenette thing. And people started eating the fruit instead, but that wasn't my job. I I wasn't, you know, I just noticed it. Um, but we were ordering, we had lunch almost every day and dinner. Most nights we would order in. Um, and so we were, you know, in the conference room eating and I was one of the senior people on the project. And my friend, my best friend at the time was also one of the senior people on the project. Um, we both had teams or big pieces of the things that we were working on and the teams leave, which was mostly men, right? They leave, they eat lunch and they walk out. And then she and I started cleaning up the lunch. We just did it. We didn't even talk about it. We just did it. It was needed to be done and did it until the program manager of the whole thing one time caught us, this guy who I work for and I absolutely adored comes in. He's like, 
what the hell are you guys doing? We're like, we're cleaning up the lunch. He's like, I can't have two of my most senior people spending time, like bring in one of the admins or tell people to clean their own plates. Like it, it never even occurred to a single one of the guys on that project to pick up the trash and, and wipe the table and put away the right. Like they cleared their own plate. They didn't just walk away from like that basic thing, but the, Oh, the bigger picture, they didn't do that. I think they might've cleared their own plate. So this has gotten <laughs> some better. Of, some of them might have. My, yeah. Cause I now that that was years and years ago on 20 years ago. Um, and lately I've been working more with millennials and I have to say millennial boys behave way better when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like they would always clean up after themselves, but yeah, it never occurred to them to just clean up and it occurred to both of us. And I mean, the thing that was common is they were men and we were women. So do the math on it. Um, so I'm back to my question of like, is this, so I now have two questions. One, like, is this about diffuse versus focused awareness and training? Like what is like, what's at the root of this? And maybe it doesn't matter. And then my second thing that I've one, been wondering about as we talk about it is like, well, what is there to do about this? Like it's unseen work. So then it isn't acknowledged. So it's bringing acknowledgement to it. Like what I mean, do you do about it? Some of it is bringing acknowledgement to it because I mean, and I don't know if it's training. We're not really just bitching just to bitch. And no, no I, I mean, am also talking fully about aware, it. like you can't train, you could not train. My husband is pickled as we sometimes say, right? Like yeah. there are things I'm never going to teach him to do because it would just take me so much time. Like that's part of the problem. Like all the little tasks are so interconnected in my mind that, and they really are like, if it would take me so long to train him to do it, how I would like to do it. And all the parts that are connected that I probably never will. Yeah. That, and, that was in the recent, one of your recent crisis. Um, we were talking about, uh, you were calling on me and one of your other girlfriends, because you knew if, if you handed us a task, the whole task would go over, like all the unspoken right. elements of it would be like, he's willing to do it, but it's that thing again, just tell me what there is to do and I'll do it. Jeez. <laughs> like, so right. That's the point is that there's like 50 things. And by the time I tell you, but you know, if you ask me, please, please tell someone what happened. <laughs> that, right. Manage the social impact. Of right. Manage the social part. Yeah. Right. Can you post on Facebook? Can you do all the things? And that that would be a complete task. Right. Um, so I think one of the things to do is just talk about it and make it more visible. And, and some of it I think is training and expectation because I don't want to assume that a man couldn't, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's inability because that's insulting, but I am, but they're not cultured for it. They're certainly not trained for it from little. I mean, like Riley, two years old, look at me. I'm a mommy. She saw it. Yeah. And I think that it would be enough for me just to have it acknowledged, like for right. me to think about, and now in the crisis, I, and maybe that's a way for people to start to think about it. Like what kinds of things do you do in your life that can't just be handed off in a crisis to me in my mind? Now I can see this whole list. Like there are so many things that, you know, I do in a certain way that nobody else does that are hard to hand off in a crisis. Like most of that points to the unseen work. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think just having that, like in the conversation for being acknowledged. And if I wanted like some kind of, like, if I wanted to trade or hand things off or whatever, like, I think I would like it just to be, be seen because I, we don't even acknowledge it. I mean, I've been not arguing, but I mean, I've been resisting a lot of what you've been saying about this because it's so hard to see. And like a lot of the work I don't want to give up. Yeah. Like, here's a great example of something I don't want to give up and how acknowledgement meant a ton to me. We mentioned on previous podcasts, how much I love Christmas. I just love it. And Eric does a ton for me on Christmas. Like he does all the outside lights. He hangs a bunch of stuff, but it's definitely all generating from inside. I just want the house to be warm and comfortable yeah. and you know, all the things. And he will stand inside the fully decked out Christmas house, especially on Christmas Eve when I, you know, everything is the stocking is all the way I do. The stocking is all cute and fancy. And he'll yeah. say, you really do a beautiful, amazing job with Christmas. You really make Christmas happen for us. Thank you. And that's really enough. But 
that so maybe part of it is making the unseen work seen yeah no it totally is like because it isn't I was like well then it's not unseen if he sees it right but it it could easily be unseen right like think about when you were a kid did you know and I don't know how you did holidays in your family but like when I was a kid I I didn't realize until I was much older how much my mom generated Christmas Right? Yeah, my just, dad did a lot of generating Christmas too. Right. You kind of just think Christmas happens, right? Holidays just happen. It's Christmas. The, it just, the yeah, bunny appears. Cake just appears on <laughs> Easter. Um, and so just having him look and, and just acknowledge, like, there's a lot of work that went into this and it's beautiful. Like, there, yeah. it's just beautiful what you've done. And that means so much to me. And so I think talking about it is like we're doing is a big part of it, but also yeah, like, another... I love when my husband says like, you make a beautiful home. Cause he's yeah. acknowledging like all the parts of it. Right. And like, Eric will thank me when I, cause I do the taxes too. Um, and he'll think, thanks so much for managing that. Thanks for handling it. Um, and, and some of it is I've trained him to see my invisible labor, but there's a really yeah. interesting conversation that was happening in my coach community. And I'm not hundred percent on board with this one where they were talking about, um, we give lip service to the stay at home parent being, um, you know, just as valuable, a real job. Yeah. Right. And, um, but it doesn't exist in reality for a lot of families where like, it, I'm, I'm going to say the wife, cause it's usually the wife. Um, she doesn't feel like the money is hers and they were kind of playing around with like, would you be willing and this doesn't fit for me because we pool all of our resources, like all the money is ours. But like, if you, if you're the working parent, would you be willing to give half of the income to the non-working parent to have in a separate checking account that they just have full control and autonomy over and act as if you guys were both producing the income and, and come from that level of equality? Um, it was just more of a experimental conversation. But what was interesting is both of the coaches. But then both, were- both parents, both spouses pool that money to accomplish whatever not only uh, presumably the pays for all the bills everything right, is like, pulled to create the family the life right yeah. like this is why it wouldn't work for me because even when we were both working with about equivalent income we pooled everything and then we both pulled out like an allowance so whatever works yeah. for you but it was more of a thought experiment and then the two coaches who were talking about it are both the breadwinners in their family and um, one of them pays her husband a salary from the company for managing the household and then the yeah. other one, um, her husband just retired and she's going to do the same thing. Cause he's going to be the stay at home parent, um, more than she is and manage the house. And she's going to pay a salary out of the business. And I bet you that that would not occur. Like, I, I, I wonder if there is a man CEO who's ever had that thought, like even a single, you know, soul other parent. than the, uh, other than the accountant going like, Hey, if we did it this way, you know, I have <laughs> right. to say though, like when I was the stay at home more say I mean it's not a fair description for how I how I parented but when I was more the at-home parent um I just considered all the money mine so that worked out really well for me yeah me too too. (laughs) right that's why I said so that's why I don't relate to that conversation I guess when we both worked outside the home we pooled all our money when I was at home we pooled all our money I'm working on a business where I'm hoping he can someday come home or go work at Ace Hardware and we would pool all our money that, so that conversation is, no, that's really not relevant. what I said. I considered it all mine. <laughs> Let's be very clear. <laughs> um, <kidding>. yes. <laughs> but so the conversation they were having about separate accounts and stuff just isn't how we manage. Like we are, we do have that equanimity yeah. because we pool everything and then we both pull an equal allowance no matter who's working who's making the money we've never sat and counted like that like sometimes right. we'll if you know if we're if we're doing competing it's like well it's better for me to take the hit here because blah blah and you can work the extra hours and but inside the family right um but it yeah really and I mean I do agree if you were like no like if that let's just say for numbers that the husband brings home a hundred grand and the wife brings home zero the stay-at-home parent whoever it is um or spouse if there's no children involved um and that they like if you were not like yeah this gets split equally because I mean I helped like since I got divorced my ex-husband's made no money like I mean I made his ability to be successful mm-hmm. from staying at home unequivocally like there right. was a huge impact to him not having a stay-at-home parent, not just I mean, both financially in his business, right? But also like just in a household running with kids, and um, I think that those are all 
you know, really interesting things. And it kind of points to one of our podcasts that we've been, um, you know, we haven't got circled back around to about um, when the system, um, what the system benefits from, because that was one of the things we saw in doTERRA is they, they capitalized on all the um, latent potential that existed um, in skill sets in stay-at-home parents. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. One of our, our two, two N. N, two N. Dang it. I almost <laughs> forget it. Fuck it. I'm not, I just Don't forget about that. Even try it. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. Another one. But yeah, it's just <sighs> interesting. And, and it's not about like, it isn't about banging angrily on the table. It's, it really is still part of the conversation of systems that pull for genius and identity and value and yeah. like valuing everyone's contribution that we say, you know, managing the dentist appointments is a valuable necessary thing. Otherwise the kids teeth fall out of their head. Right. right? Does that work as well? Although I've been thinking as we've been talking, like John is the safety guy. Like he cares like in his bones about safety, like, and like, he loves everything so deeply. Like he's told me that, thank God they'll never listen to these, but he's told me like, I don't think you would mind me saying this <laughs> actually, but he's told me like, that he worries about when the cats die. Like he loves them so much that sometimes he just feels like someday they won't be here. I'm like, you might not be here before the cat's not here. I'm taking really good care of that baby. But, (laughs) (laughs) but he were, you know, like, and I wonder if he sees all the worry and thought that he puts into um, safety and making sure everything is safe. Like, I I mean, checking the car and doing, I wonder, because I don't care about any of that. I want, and I like a little risk. Like, I wonder if he sees that as unseen work. Um, and if that's something like I can bring acknowledgement to, not because I think my husband's going unacknowledged, but because I'm wondering how much, like, I'm wondering how much of unseen work is that the other person doesn't care about it. And I do, but I don't know if it's quite like that. Cause I've been thinking about Christmas stockings, right? Like I wrap every present in the Christmas stocking. That's super important to me. If my hands broke and somebody else had to do Christmas for me and they didn't wrap all the stockings, like something would be lost for me in that. So it's not enough just to hand it off. It's not that it's not about things that are important to you and not important to other people. It's, it's more the presumption. It's like, I walked away from the lunch and the next time I went to the conference room, the table was clean. It's that you don't know taking the kids to soccer involves all right. the parts of right that. all the pieces. Yeah. So, yeah. But again, it is. It's not about being angry about it. It really is the same conversation because I'm sure, like I'm sure, like you said, there are things that men do invisibly that we don't know. But I don't think it's as much, <laughs> to be quite honest. No, because- I agree. But it, it just makes me want to look at you know look and see like what is happening that I don't bring acknowledgement because acknowledgement is like so powerful. And I feel like if there were some other women, you know, in the, in the bathroom with us, they would lean over the stall and be like, yeah, I just like to be thanked. Like, I just like it to be seen. I don't really want you to have to do the work. I just want you to appreciate it. Right. Thank you for taking all the clothes that don't fit and donating them. Thank you for doing that. Um, and it just doesn't like, and think about if that work wasn't done, what the house would look like. Right. You know, we'd just be, we'd be buried in eight, 18 month to two T close, right? Um, <laughs> maybe it so, would get figured out eventually. I don't know. Yeah. Or they'd be it. wearing monkey costumes backwards. <laughs> it wasn't a monkey costume. Although I know, but for her, now it's going to be in my stories. For her second Halloween, I did make her a mouse costume. And Aww. the mouse had, it had, um, and <laughs> I wish we would have had a video camera because we went to one door where there was this older guy and he could not stop laughing. He would stop and he would look at her and then he would start laughing again. (laughs) But, um, it came with the mouse had a little cheese bow tie. Um, and then, so there was a little costume with a tail and then a bow tie around the neck. And then there was a little hat with the ears on it. And I was like, I don't really want my little mouse to have a bow tie. And so instead I attached the, the cheese bow tie to the ear, like an ear bow, not in the middle, but like off to one (laughs) side to the ear. So she had a little ear bow. When the boys were little, t- people often thought they were twins, even though they, they were your, you know, they were like Irish twins, but people yeah. often were like, are they twins? And um, they would always pick like the, the same outfits for Halloween when they were tiny. And it, yeah, I was just thinking about the two of them, like trolling around in their, you know, Star Wars and stuff. So, so cute. cute. So cute. I can't wait to be a grandma. 
Woohoo. That's what Eric's I would like to have the unseen work of grandma in my life. I think people acknowledge grandma's work. She makes batch cookies and everybody loses their shit. I hope I don't have to make cookies when I'm a grandma. That's my grandma's favorite part of being a grandma. She said, when I go to heaven, I hope my work is rocking babies and making cookies. I'm like, I'm so glad somebody wants to do that. Right. But that's, you know, that's her genius. And it's true. She's, she is an amazing. There's a cookie in my family and nobody makes it the way she does. I have tried. I'm a really good baker. I'm really good. I can do fancy stuff. I one time yeah. made um, a meringue when I, we had, that was the dinner party where we drank like 11 bottles of wine or something like that over the course. And there was only three people. No, there were eight, but we weren't all drinking. But so I was pretty tipsy and I still made a beautiful meringue. So I am highly skilled and I cannot get the cream wafers. My grandmas are always perfectly circular and perfectly even the same thickness, the same. I can't do it. I've been trying and trying. Nobody in the family makes them the way she does. It really is her genius and no joke. Yeah. When we get to heaven, I'm going to pull over for some cookies. Oh my gosh. You need the cream wafers. My grandma, she'll be rocking a baby and she'll be like, Allie, the cream wafers are on the table and you can have as many as you want. Cause it's heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Are you going to tie a bow on this for us? I, we... No, I think we're done. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just one more example of acknowledging genius and value and, and seeing everyone's you know what would be perfect what? is if we sat around in a circle with some penis candles in the middle oh, and sing <laughs> I'm starting to braid my hair and change my Zoom name. <laughs> Your armpit hair. Goddess. Oh yeah. You know what's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell one more story and then we're going to go. Um, right. I got my armpits lasered a few years ago, which is great. That's one of the most fantastic things I've ever done. All right. Cause I never really have to shave them anymore, except laser doesn't totally get rid of all the hair in your armpits. So every once in a while I'll lift up my arms and be like, Oh, I accidentally went to Lilith fair. And then I have to shave them. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's where I'm going to right. Sounds good. From the ladies room. Yep. See you next time in the ladies room. <laughs> Ciao. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram.